The physiological aspect isn't necessarily the only marker for addiction. Right? And so the patience, because that person, even though they might be 35 or 40 or 30, whatever their chronological age, that's not necessarily their emotional age. And so James quit weed. Like, the, the, the Bambi eyed bitch. Is that, is that Raquel? I don't know. That's, it's in my notes right now. <laughs> and I'm telling oh you, God. marijuana and Tylenol was much better than the opiates that they gave me. What I was say? Say? All I heard was death. <laughs> Your diarrhea and death. Thank you so much, Scott, for being here. It is such a pleasure. You are a man of many things, and I guess you would say a Renaissance man. You have... That is a great description. I'm going to write that down. (laughs) You have written over 15 books and most notably a book about marijuana called Determining Marijuana Use in the Age of Legalization. Ooh, I love, I was going to ask you actually offline, but maybe some people are interested to know who does your artwork, your cover art? I do. I I, I had an idea. I was like, I feel like I bet he does it himself. You know, I'm a business coach. And yes. so I'm very focused on marketing. So you can see, yeah. like, see, my name's at the bottom yep. in this yes. type like this. My name's at the bottom. That's yes. that's my branding across yes. no matter what the book is. Like, here's good. the book on Good King Henry. This is the time and management got, like, book. Is it all the same font too for the titles? The, for the for it varies for this, but this part is the same gotcha. on this. You can see like that book and that yes. book. But it's you know this is from my backyard. This is um. This is from my backyard. This is not, I wish my pot plants looked this good when I was growing them. Oh, you're oh, not man. growing this year? I am growing them this year. I, um, uh, but the person who supplies me uh, has not brought them over. Yesterday, this last year, I grew um, blueberry kush, uh, which <gasps> I is love really great. Blueberry. Um, la- the year before, he brought over, he's like, He's like, this is supposed to be really good. I'm not sure how good it is. I'm like, he's like, but this is an award-winning strain. And I'm like, what's, what is it? It was Gorilla Glue number four. Oh yeah, that's um, a big one. And, that's um, a popular one. I just got my <laughs> seeds last night. Oh, I'm telling you, after I, I smoked some Gorilla Glue number four, I had like crawled up the stairs to go to bed. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. We just got lemon tree. Peanut butter cookies. I mean, this is going to be the first time that I'm growing. So I'm really excited. And I'm going to be sharing that whole journey on my other account, Jenny Blaze 420. I like that you called me a Renaissance man. I have a friend. Her name is, I've known her for years. Her name's Cindy Hollis. She's in Lebanon, New Hampshire. She runs a payroll company. She told, she, um, I was talking about this the other day on a podcast and she referred to me as holding this grotesque plethora of knowledge yes. um, or a grotesque cornucopia of knowledge cornucopia and, um, 
I, I think cornucopia is better because this morning <laughs> when she turned to me, she said, she looked at me and she said, make sure that you're really clear. If you use that phrase again, that you say plethora and not placenta. I'm like, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm a grotesque placenta of knowledge. Um, <laughs> at least not when I'm not stoned. Maybe if I'm stoned, I'd be like, oh, I'm just a big placenta of knowledge. That is hilarious. Oh my gosh. Um, so in addition to being an author, you also, like we said, you have a plethora of this yeah, not cornucopia, a <laughs> not a placenta, cornucopia of just skills and certifications and experience. The things that stood out to me the most was um, that you're, you're an EMT, you're a licensed substance abuse counselor, a rostered psychotherapist. And just so anyone who's listening or watching knows for sure, you do not watch Bravo, right? I do not watch Bravo. Okay. No, <gasps> I don't even, yes. I don't even have cable television. Like very. Because you're I, too busy saving the world <laughs> and saving animals. And oh my gosh. Like, I'm yeah. like, you're my unofficial mentor. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> But um, today we're going to be talking about weed or cannabis. Um, I noticed you call it marijuana. Is there a reason we... No. Okay. Maybe it's an age thing, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought was the technical... Like, I thought that was a scientific term for it growing up until like five years ago when I found out that no, actually it was a word that Mexican immigrants used that turn into something that may or may have, I don't know for sure, but um, may have turned into like a derogatory term. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but I read something about it. So that's why I try to say cannabis, but um, that's a good piece. You know, I think for a lot of substance abuse counselors, because my background's in substance abuse counseling, we -hmm. talk about, Alcohol use, marijuana use, cocaine use, heroin use, mm-hmm. nicotine use. Uh, and so I mean, we cover all those pieces. And so that's probably where that term came from. But I, I would not be surprised if there's words that are floating around our common, nomen- you know, our common usage that uh, have their, you know, his- history in some yeah. sort of bias, oh, yeah. racist like, background. Like the Dixie Chicks, they change their names to the chicks I could go on tangents all the time I feel like with you especially with all of your breadth of knowledge (laughs) breadth (laughs) Breadth. that's like kind of a hard word to say but it is a hard word (laughs) that dth at the end just gets yes um it's easier than plethora though (laughs) (laughs) really I think plethora is easier This is fun. (laughs) Let's see what it's like before and after. We could like do some, you know, tincture or this. Let's see what happens with our description of ourselves. You're onto something. (laughs) Yeah, I like that idea. But okay, so since this is a Bravo related podcast, Mm -hmm. I am going to give you a rundown of one of the shows that recently aired it's called Vanderpump Rules 
Um, essentially, it's a spinoff show of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And Lisa Vanderpump used to be a housewife. She owns restaurants. The show then turned into the spinoff is now about like her restaurant staff and all the drama going on there. Mm-hmm, People mm-hmm. are sleeping together, like live each other. There's physical violence at some points. Like this show is, I think they're in their like ninth season or something. And wow. it's changed. It's changed a lot from the beginning. Like the beginning was, it was, I don't want to say this. I feel bad saying this word, but like kind of trashy. Uh, <laughs> just because of the the drinking and the fighting and the, you know, sleeping together and all this <clears> stuff. Um, the lying, all that. It was, it was good to, you know, well, I but, think it got to a point where it was a little toxic and I think it's, it's changing now in a better light. Um, this past season we have, um, and just side note, I just, for the listeners or viewers, we are not trying to diagnose anyone. These are real people that we're talking about, but we're just using their story that we've seen on a show as a starting point for a deeper discussion. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. That's the hate um, mail avoidance disclaimer you just did. Exactly. We don't know these people in real not life. about them. We don't know. I mean, there's so much editing, so much production involved. Like who know, we're only seeing bits and pieces. I would never judge someone, you know, based on what we see on a show in real life, right. IRL. Anyways, okay, so I want to talk about James Kennedy, DJ James Kennedy, okay? He is a playboy from England. Um, His father was also a DJ slash club owner or something in the that like nightlife scene. Um, His father grew up with George Michael. George Michael is DJ James Kennedy's godfather. And his mother, we've seen on the show that he's talked about his mother being like, kind of like a party girl. She had um, a history with alcoholism and currently she is sober. And then James also has two younger siblings, I believe. I believe they're younger. But um, so James has been living in LA. He's been building his career as a DJ. He called himself the white Kanye West. Um, do you know who Kanye West is? I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make sure. Um, oh, Kanye. Oh, there's so many things going on with Kanye too, but that's a whole other episode. Um, James has been, I mean, James came on this show trying to build up his career. He's been doing really well. He's gotten to the point where he's starting to support his family, his parents, somehow his parents. Like his parents had money at one point, but now they don't. And now he's supporting them and his younger siblings who are now starting to go to college. And so like, he's taken on this role, you know, and he came on the show with a huge temper. Um, He basically, he lost his job as a DJ at the restaurant that they were working at. Um, because of his drinking, because of his behavior, he lost all his friends. He was basically shunned from their friend group, not invited to things. And, but the problem here, well, there, there's more than one problem, but 
his girlfriend at the time, Raquel, is like just the most sweetest, like most beautiful beauty pageant person, like doe-eyed. Another nickname from the show is Bambi-eyed bitch that someone called her once when they were yelling. <laughs> like, but like just the sweetest is heartbreaking when you watch her because like James would go on rants when he's drunk and saying, you know, F this, F them. And she's like crying because she's just like, it's so heartbreaking that she's seeing, you know, him lash out. And it was very toxic. But essentially she gave him an ultimatum and said, if you don't quit drinking, then I'm gone. So he did. He quit drinking. And I I don't think it was like solid right away. It was like a little bit rocky for a bit. But he finally, like he declared, I've been sober for two years. You know, I'm feeling great. Everything's great. Raquel and I are doing great. And then um, we see a scene of Raquel speaking to Lisa Vanderpump, her, her boss and his boss. And she's saying to him, you know, well, yeah, James is doing good. He, it's been two years that he's been sober. Um, but James still smokes weed every day. And she said it in a very negative way. And she goes, I guess you could say James is a California sober. So California sober. Yeah. Oh, oh you haven't heard this term yet. I've not heard that term yet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So basically a California sober is somebody who doesn't drink or do hard drugs, but they smoke weed. Oh, I have and a friend so- who's a California sober. I am somewhat California sober, (laughs) but I live in New York. Um, So after that episode aired, she, Raquel basically had a talk with James and essentially was saying like, she wants him, she thinks he should quit weed too. And he's like, why, (laughs) you know, but, but he got to a point where he said, okay, I'm going to quit weed too and I was I was impressed I was like wow James like he's come a long way but then something happened someone got COVID at work and he had a quarantine he was like I was quarantining like what am I gonna do all day (laughs) and he and then he started but then he started to speak up for himself in a way that actually I was proud of him because he would say he was saying like I don't understand why I have to quit weed. It makes me feel good. It helps me sleep better. It helps me focus. I get more creative when I'm doing, making my music, like all these great things really. And, um, but still everyone was still judging him. Mm -hmm. So I'm so happy to have you here because I wanted to hear your thoughts on cannabis addiction. Is cannabis addiction even a thing? Um, the science, I mean, what I, last I knew, there's no chemical addiction to cause a physical addiction to marijuana or weed or cannabis. So Mm -hmm. for me, um, personally, I don't think you can really be addicted to weed, but you can maybe abuse it. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh boy. Well, that's the <laughs> Renaissance man here. <clears throat> you know, there's, there's actually, you know, the piece that people 
I don't want to, well, I'll say it. The, pe- the piece that where people kind of mess up when they talk about addiction and stuff is they mix up the physiological dependence. That's the mm-hmm. chemical piece that you messed, talked about. Mm-hmm. Physiological dependence and then the other aspects of addiction. And so, you know, I would, the, those other aspects of addiction surround two things. The, where you're really addicted to a feeling Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and we'll come back to that feeling piece. And mm-hmm. then the second piece around that is that you, because of that use of that substance, you don't develop the healthy coping skills like everybody else. Right, so right. back to this physiological addiction, mm-hmm. there are people in this world who have taken um, lots of opiates for pain and they cannot stop their use of opiates without having physiological withdrawal symptoms. Right. They have, they've had their, their left. So what has happened is that they felt like this and mm-hmm. then they, what, this is what typically happens. And you usually see it with the, you know, I'll use heroin as an example or mm-hmm. narcotics. You take a feeling, you, you, you feel good like this. And then, you know, this is your normal. And then what happens is that in order to get the next high, you need to take more. Mm-hmm. And then you take more and you, so there's a physiological tolerance, but then what happens is that normal then starts going in the other direction so that mm-hmm. you actually then need to take a substance to feel normal again. That's the withdrawal piece. So yeah. someone starts with heroin, they take some heroin, they take some more, they have to take some more to feel, feel high, but then mm-hmm. in the opposite end, this side starts going down where they need to take heroin just to feel like they used to feel five years ago when they first mm-hmm. started using. So the physiological aspect isn't necessarily the only marker for addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the real question is, you know, back, you know, 50 years ago when, when AA was started, there was this big piece with for folks who used to say, you know, and we know this is silly now because we know alcohol is alcohol, but people used to say, you know, my problem is not vodka. I really need to drink wine. Right. Um, my problem is not wine. I really need to drink beer. You know, I should, yeah. I need to get away from tequila and focus on gin because that tequila is my problem. Gin is not my problem. I need to focus like, on gin. <laughs> right. I'm really taking time to focus on yes. this gin. I'm focusing on the my my gin use now instead. But you know, over time, people were like, "Oh, come on, alcohol is alcohol, alcohol." And then, you know, people started experimenting with drugs and we start, some drugs have faster rates and slower rates. Mm -hmm. You're going to get much more quickly addicted to heroin than you are to beer. Um, But that pattern is still pretty much the same. So we go over here and we look at this kind of emotional coping skill piece or the feeling piece, because that's the, the, first of all, the feeling piece is the piece that's the driver when you say, okay, there's no difference between wine and beer and vodka and tequila and gin, you're still going for that same buzz. A buzz is a buzz is a buzz, whether it's alcohol or heroin or marijuana. And so if you're, or sex, lots of people, um, you know, get sober from alcohol and the next thing you know, they're sleeping with everybody and their brother or sister, uh, or they're spending all their money or they're gambling because gambling has a physiological component to it. Or shopping. Shopping. Yeah. And so, so it's really the piece of, are you chasing a feeling? 
right? So with James, I'd be like, is, are you chasing a feeling around this? You mm -hmm. know, and then the other aspect is where are your coping skills? Because for most people, we develop as we're growing old, these different coping mechanisms to right. uh, how to handle loss, how to handle conflict. But if you're drinking or if you're smoking, you're, you don't have, those are your coping mechanisms. And so the, what happens is that when you stop, and someone starts drinking when they're 16, and then when they stop drinking when they're 30, because they've been, let's say they're a raging alcoholic, mm -hmm. they have, they're in the body of a 30-year-old, but they have the coping skills of a 16-year-old because they right. never had to develop those skills. And then, right. then people are like, wow, you have anger issues. You, well, you're acting really immature. Well, of course. Oh my God, that's of literally, that's literally what happened on the show with James. They're like, you have anger issues you need to do. So like they tried all these different things. They tried like screaming therapy. They tried ice bath therapy, everything, but like traditional therapy. I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? But um, yeah. Because nobody wants to watch traditional therapy. They want the trauma. I do. I actually, I really do want to see, I'm always rooting for James Kennedy. He says the most atrocious things out of his mouth but he also has given us some of the most vulnerable things that we've seen like on the reunion after all this happened this the way that the season ended they have a reunion him and Raquel got engaged during the season but then they broke up right there during filming and during filming during wow. filming and it was so sad because they were going to pretend and wait till after, but then they just right. wound up doing it there. But it was so sad because James was like crying and saying like, I thought if I quit drinking, it would be enough, you know? So he's given us these very raw moments where it's like, we're getting a glimpse and I just want to hug him so bad and be like, it's okay to not be okay. You have some trauma from your childhood that you haven't dealt with. And you haven't built those coping mechanisms, like you said. So right, right. I don't know. And so people, he, people around James, just like other people around other people who are getting sober, need to, you know, not, not enable, not like say, do whatever the hell you want to do. Right. But we have to have some patience because that person, even though they might be 35 or 40 or 30, whatever their mm -hmm. chronological age, that's not necessarily their emotional age. Emotion. And yes. we think, we think stupidly that the 30 year old who's been drinking since they were 16 is going to stop drinking and then they're going to be a 30 year old. Yeah. How can that pop? If, if somebody was in a coma for 16 years yeah. and then they got out and then you're like, Hey, you know, you know, you've been in a coma since the nineties. Um, this is a cell phone. They're going to be like, what is that? They're going to be clueless about everything. They're like, when I went into the coma, we were, we were using you know, dimes to make calls. You know? um, so when the season was airing with James and Raquel, I had posted um, a meme that was like, I don't even remember, but it sparked a lot of controversy because I think I said something like it's okay to smoke weed every day and people were just going nuts like James should not have 
any weed. He's an alcoholic. He shouldn't have any substances, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, if that's the case, then is sugar a substance? Is caffeine a substance? What is the definition? Do you consider sugar and it could, could there be an addiction to sugar? Could there be an addiction? Yeah, to there caffeine? certainly, there certainly could be. You know, you go into some AA meetings, and mm-hmm. it's just—I mean, people are swilling back the coffee at eight o'clock at night, and it's a—it's a haze of cigarette smoke in those meetings. Um, and um, not all, but many, many, many uh, meetings you go in because they're—they're they, the people are substituting, you know around their coping skills, something else, you know, it's like, you know, you see people who are stressed out who smoke cigarettes and when they get stressed out, they're like, yeah. Right. Um, you know, so one of the, one of the signs of an addiction and that, that you can, that you can look at for something is when somebody begins relief blankety blank. So it could be relief drinking. That's the term relief drinking, relief smoking pot, relief smoking cigarettes. And that is, you know, when most people, if you're smoking, if you're drinking, I'll do drinking. So it's so that it won't. So if you, if you're just <laughs> drinking some alcohol at the mm-hmm. end of the day or with this, that's a, you know, that's okay. But it crosses the line when you're like, I've had a hard day at work. I need to have a drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I've had, uh, you know, um, I had a fight. I need to unwind. I need to smoke, you know, to, to have some martinis. And the same thing can happen with marijuana. If it's, if it's recreational use and it's just, all right, I'm smoking to relax or you're doing tincture. Like mm-hmm. I do a couple drops of tincture every night. How much I I did like six, six, six grams of tincture. I had a headache yesterday. And the be- best thing I took milligrams. milligrams. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, like. Thank you. Best thing. I, this is the, I swear to God, we are going to have this as a product (laughs) five years from now. You're going to, you're going to be able to say, I saw it on the Jenny Blaze show. She predicted this (laughs) five years from now. You know how we have Tylenol PM. Yeah. People take Tylenol or they take Advil PM. It's really just Tylenol and Benadryl or Advil mixed with Benadryl. Five years from now, we're going to have Tylenol cannabis or maybe it'll be oh tylenolibus oh you think the big pharmaceutical companies are gonna oh my god absolutely i'm telling you the best thing Mm. when i have a headache is two tylenol and one milligram not gram one milligram (laughs) one drop of of um indica that is just and I don't, I'm not, I'm not buzzed. I'm not wasted, but it's just, yeah. it, I'm relaxed. It helps with the, it's amazing. So you, you heard it right here. There's going to be mm-hmm. Tylenolibus and, you know, <laughs> um, Advilawana, Advilawana. Oh I'm going to take some Advilawana to relax. That's myself. hilarious. Hmm. Interesting. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to remember this day. Remember this day, everybody. So, well, you're talking about microdosing pretty much, which is just taking a small amount so that you get like medicinal benefits. Yep. Yep. And I talk about, I talk about that in this book and, and as though, you know, is that a problem or when does that happen? And it's a. So, okay. So is it a problem? Do like, are 
are medical patients, would someone say they have an addiction? Because what if James from Vanderpump Rules, what if he is using it medicinally? Should he, should James quit weed? Like, I guess that's the question. Should James quit weed? Well, that's a hard question. You know, so, know so, the, so the person who has to answer that question ultimately is James. Yes. And, and, and James need to an- needs to answer that question independently of Raquel. Raquel, the is the or, or the the the, the Bambi eyed bitch. Is that is that Raquel? I don't know. That's it's in my notes right here. <laughs> oh my god, I'm obsessed with you. You just won over every single fan, Bravo fan, by saying that. You need to say Bambi eyed bitch. It's yeah. over. Right. <laughs> um, the you know the the there are there's two pieces. The other piece around addiction or alcoholism that goes on is that, you know, alcoholism is not a diagnosis. Alcoholism is a self-label. Someone could say I'm an alcoholic. There's no alcoholic diagnosis. There's, you meet these criteria and you meet this level of, you know, now it's use in the DSM-5 where it talks about modern and problematic. And it used to be, you know, abuse and dependence, you know, and if you, and so, one of the questions are, are you getting in trouble with whatever you're using, right? Is it creating problems? Not, pro- not necessarily problems with the Bambi-eyed bitch, but problems <laughs> like, you know, I'm having trouble going to work or I'm, it's affecting all my relationships this way, or you're operating machinery, you know, in putting yeah. yourself in dangerous Dang, situations, yeah. you know, like, you know, I'm stoned and using a chainsaw. Cause I got to move the, tr- that's not a very safe thing to do. Right. That sounds scary. You know, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're sitting on the beach, drinking a margarita, that's an okay thing. You could drink six margaritas and get an, as long as you're slathered with, you know, suntan Sun lotion. Strange. So you don't turn into a, <laughs> a, a, a tomato. Um, uh, yeah. But if you're drinking margaritas and then driving a semi down the hall, down the road, that's a problem. Right. Right. Or if you need it to function normally, that can yeah. be a problem. Right. Because the edge of that crossing over can, can and that's so that's a piece that he really needs to call me on the phone and we need to talk for a while and figure this <laughs> out. <laughs> call well, me, James. <laughs> so many things have happened with James. Um, so they broke up. They were together for five years. She moved out. And he just recently was seen in Tulum with a new girlfriend. So I don't know. He seems happy. I just hope he stays on the right path because I see so much potential in him. Like I just, I can't help but root for him. I don't know what it is. I'm just a sucker, I guess. What does sober, the word sober, what does that mean to you? Boy, that's another definition of self self definition there are some people that you know are very rigorous and and you will see them they're like i don't drink i don't do sugar i don't do caffeine you know and they'll say i got sober from alcohol then i got sober from caf- from caffeine then i got sober from sex and then i got sober from shopping and you so know can't that also go the other way and become a problem where you're like <clears throat> where you're like okay now i'm like i'm boring <laughs> Not only am I extremely boring, but now I have an eating disorder or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. 
So yeah. could it go? You've, you've seen that people that people that are get, you know, really, it's like, do you really need to run yeah. 80 miles a week? That can't be healthy to run 80 miles a week. Um, and there like are people that do that. My knees. that do, well, that's, that becomes the piece where you just talked about it, where there's some consequences of that behavior, where it's interfering right. and impacting you physically or this, right? So yeah. if James is getting off coughing and having trouble, you know, going up the flight of stairs because he's smoking so much pot or he's gained so much weight because he's eating so many oh. Oreos after smoking so much pot or Very thin. Um, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, so then really, I guess the dosage or the amount of weed that someone consumes in a day is really just it's individual to each person and we it sounds like we need to really just take a look at ourselves that's that's a that's one of the problems see this we're back to this book this is what i talk about in this book (laughs) this is the biggest this is one of the biggest issues with the current marijuana craziness that's going on and this is not a craziness about marijuana this is really craziness about people that are just you know there was there was a time I talk about this in the book where people did not think our legislators, our senators, our leaders did not. I don't know what they they must have been stoned. They were not thinking about these laws <laughs> that they were passing. And they yeah. passed this law around service animals and people who are disabled. And they were very vague. See, this is, this is an important point. They were very vague. They were sloppy. They were pathetically crappy in that whole thing. And so they said that, for example, you can't as a, as a owner, because someone's disabled, you can't say, what does that animal do for you? You know, you can say, do you, you can't distinguish around how that animal serves that person. And they were vague about what a service animal is. And the next thing, you know, people were bringing freaking peacocks on planes, horses on Southwest Airlines, you know. Hey, there was a horse on Southwest? Yeah, these little mini horses. People were bringing, I mean, horses, rabbits, snakes, peacocks. Wait, in the the, regular passenger area? How? What? What? What animal? And dogs dogs are flying for free, you know, if you have, because, you know, they, if you take your pet, onto an airline you have to pay pay for that pet and they're they're locked in the back but if you have to bring your service dog the airline has to give you a seat because of that i had a i've got a family member you know her name's debbie um my other niece brenda is going to be psyched that i'm once again talking about debbie because she's the prime example of the (laughs) marauders who did this there's a whole cottage industry you can get fake service animal vests for your dogs fake service animal cards fake little certificates uh google it online and so you get this you know it's the united states association of service animals that serve that gives you the certificate or some baloney like that and then you funny just, you, you know, say that sorry to interrupt you real quick though Kristen on the show she got a dog and said she just filled out something for like fifty dollars online yes, and now yes. she can bring her dog anywhere yes, she wants right that right. is so funny you said that. This oh is gosh. this is what's going to happen Uh-oh. to the marijuana industry and legalization. And I think the marijuana uh, connoisseurs, 
proponents should be just as concerned because the marijuana opponents are going to, when this happens, the marijuana opponents are going to push for prohibition because they're going to say, this is a bad thing. We need to stop it all. Because what's going to happen is somebody, because it's, it starts with the, with the overuse of the medicalization of uh, medical terminology. People take dosage, people say, you know, and that's how marijuana is coming into these states. Medical first, recreation second. Mm -hmm. And so there's this medical mindset about pot. And sometime in the future, people are going to be like, look at my little medical marijuana card that I got for $50, just like the animal. That and I get, what's I get to go to stone to go to work. Um, that is what's happening. It's going to be crazy. You know, somebody, we would, if somebody came to work and said, you know what, I had a tough weekend. So I'm going to drink. I know it's Monday morning. I know it's 9 a.m., but I'm drinking Bloody Marys for crying out loud. We'd be like, what? You know, someone well, went said, so I've got an important meeting this afternoon. I'm going to have four vodka martinis for lunch because I'm nervous about this presentation. We'd be like, hmm. but marijuana. Oh. Well, the thing is with mar marijuana, I feel I can function and do work after I've consumed. So for me, I can't. <laughs> I can function and do work after Bloody Mary. It's after four Bloody Marys that I have trouble. Yeah, in an I'm hour. not gonna be smoking blunts all day and like try to do work. Yeah. That's not gonna happen. But I'm still gonna. I need to you know, medicate I need to get, and then I need to continue. get going in the morning. And so you know what, I I I it takes an hour for alcohol to get you know generally you know processed by my system and so that means that you know because i have trouble functioning in the morning i'm going to have a bloody mary at eight a bloody mary at nine a bloody mary at 10 and a bloody mary at 11 and so those mm. and then at noon i'm fine i am the afternoon i'm set if I someone said sleeping. that like, what <laughs> i would be sleeping well maybe you'd have to have a bloody mary at eight and a bloody mary at 10 instead you know what because with alcohol maybe you just need to start low and go slow i can't because <laughs> that's a so see there you go <laughs> well so i don't know should we be comparing weed and alcohol i'm just saying we got to be careful about what the stage that we're setting because there are people that you know um take you know marijuana for legitimate beneficial health reasons and and we need to be clear on what that means and i went to the doctor i got a knee operation uh and um and i'm telling you marijuana and tylenol was much better than the opiates that they gave me i was like ah oh, man because you because the trouble here's the here's the benefit of like microdosing or mm -hmm. if you uh, amp up beyond microdosing like maybe you say oh it's not doing this instead of doing one drop an hour i'm going to do two drops an hour Oh, I'm going to do three. Then I'm back down to two. I'm back down to one. You can really, if you have a clear, consistent, this is important, amount of, of marijuana in that microdose, you can really control that really well. Um, if you take a, um, you know, a Percocet or, a, you know, a Vicodin or something for the pain, you are strapped in for four hours. Right, because right. that that's going to go. You, you once you once that pill goes down your throat, you know it's going to build up, and in an hour you're going to be like, then oh. it's going to come back down. It's it's that's a difficult piece to 
measure and interact with. So after my knee operation, I stopped the other stuff and I just told the doctors and they're clueless. They're clueless, <laughs> clueless. You I know. know. They're, well, I've been the problem. I've been in the hospital oh. where I felt I was judged for telling them that I'm a medical marijuana patient. They treat, to me personally, I felt like they treated me differently because I've been to the hospital when I haven't told them and I was treated much differently. Granted, they're different people. So, you know, who knows? Um, Do you think people who are physically dependent on, let's say opioids or some other kind of substance like alcohol, is it, is cannabis an option to help them to get off of whatever substance they're currently addicted to. I think folks have to decide as this comes back to the coping skill thing, Mm -hmm. right? And the, and your ability to function. So let's look at an extreme case, Bob, um, you know, uh, it drinks and he's wasted all the time from alcohol and now he stops drinking, but now he starts smoking, but he's wasted all the time now from marijuana. So but is he, he wasted or is he like, I'm just giving an extreme example here. So okay. let's say, so let's say he is actually getting wasted all the time. So he used to sit on the couch and watch television and drink margaritas. And now he still, he still sits on the couch. He doesn't drink he's margaritas, but he's stoned all day. Right. Yeah, and so his he's life hasn't out of improved. It. Right. So, you know, he's so instead of, you know, passing out, he's falling asleep or he's still instead of right. vomiting from he's, he's drooling. But it's but it's there's been no change. Probably in eating. Him, right. <laughs> and eating. <laughs> um, so that that's an extreme, you know, where you're comparing, you know, apples to apples or apples to orange, apples to apples. But, you know, if somebody says, you know what, I'm I am stopping this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, again, we're talking about relief using, right? When I'm having a hard day, I'm going to smoke or I'm going to use marijuana to help reduce the stress while you're building other coping skills. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the interesting thing is that the, and this is, this is the total bull line that gets, I'm just going to, I don't want to use profane. Well, you said dough eyed bitch. So this is a total bullshit piece that's out there. Whatever you want. <laughs> whatever I want. You know, we, we need to be careful because lots of folks go to drug and alcohol treatment now and they are told, oh, you're depressed. So let's take these psychotropic drugs, mm-hmm. you know, or let's, you're depressed or you're anxious. So, you know, and so there's this question of like, is the anxiety caused from withdrawal? Is there this or is that, you know, right. I personally think it's much better for somebody to, um, now I'm going to get all this hate mail, uh, much better for somebody <laughs> to, especially around anxiety, to use marijuana than mm-hmm. it is to strap in with some of these other drugs that right. build up a level in your system. Yes. And then you, you just don't have that level of control. I've got a client yep. that I've been working with and he's, he's got a lot of things. He's got a lot of legitimate situational anxiety in his life, mm-hmm. Big company, lots of stressors, you right. know? And so you know, his, his doctor was like, Oh, you got, you got so much anxiety. You need to take some, you know, Ativan. To help you, you know, Ativan. Calm, uh, no, no, lorazepam. Sorry, lorazepam to help you calm down, 
right? <laughs> and then, then he's the doctor was like, oh, you know what? Now you're too calm. You know, I, I just yeah. am having trouble focus. Well, you need mm-hmm. to take some Ritalin to help you stay it, more focused you're on telling, this other stuff. Yeah, you're, you're telling basically my story just slightly different. That's exactly what happened to me. The medications just started to pile on top of each other. Right. And that's when I found myself not happy and taking all these medications and being a certified health coach. I'm like, this is not making me happy. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So that's when I started microdosing. Yep. I told him the same thing. I'm like, you need to go to the marijuana store. I talked to him yesterday. I'm like, you go to the marijuana store and pick (laughs) up some tincture yet? No. I'm he's like, I'm thinking maybe I should do this. I'm like, get the marijuana tincture. And just, you know, when you're having, you know, have trouble sleeping at night, do this and find the part that fits for you. And you're not going to have this chemical mess inside of you that lasts for days and days and days and days and days because you have a level, you know? Yeah. I was able to get off all of my prescription medication by slowly microdosing over time. Unfortunately, um, when I got pregnant with my second child, I went to the doctor to get, you know, like to have the pregnancy confirmed. And they asked me if I did any drugs and I said, I'm a medical marijuana patient. And that's when they lectured me and threatened me to report me if I ever had THC in my system again. And um, basically were forcing me to take prescription medication and I held off. So I took nothing for good months. Good for you. I held off. I mean, good for your determination to not put the prescription medication well, in your body. For, I went eight months. It was the ninth month that I went back on. So I was unhappy about that. And I was very, it like caused some depression for me. Yeah. 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 I'm like, this is not what I wanted. I don't feel happy about it. And then like I have, then I'm like postpartum and I'm still scared that they're going to like report me if I smoke weed or whatever. So I'm like, you know, I'm dealing with all these hormonal changes and unable to, you know, do what I feel like will help me. And with no negative side effects, it's like, I feel like, I don't know, that's basically the origin of my cannabis advocacy. And I'm not against using um, medication. I think some people need it. I think some people um, need it all the time, maybe. Right, right. It depends on the person. But you know, there's such a, there's such a screwed up dynamic in this country. Cause yeah. I mean, look at all the Oxycontin that was given out to all these folks, right? Here's this really addictive narcotic and doctors were giving it out like M&Ms because yeah. that's the stuff that they were fed by the drug companies who wanted to make more money. Yep. And really I mean, weird. and so then everybody's watching these commercials of like, oh, and then they're going to their doctors and saying, give me, you know this and give me that and give me their self-diagnosing because they see this little commercial and that that you know those commercials at the very end where there's a there's a legal person who goes this may cause death i didn't hear any of that what did they say all i heard was death (laughs) i heard diarrhea and death (laughs) say what say that again please yeah absolutely and it's funny because like the people in those commercials, 
that's how I feel after I just smoked <laughs> weed. <laughs> Going back to James, I personally, like you said, if it, if it's a problem in his life, if he can't function, if he can't be, you know, if he can't do those things, then he may need to stop with the weed. However, if he were to get therapy and actually use weed as something to help open up and like heal his emotional trauma or whatever is going on, like, I think he could be amazing. And so I, I don't know this stigma in our culture of, you know, if you smoke weed, you're doing drugs and you're a bad person and you don't have control. Like I don't subscribe to that because I do smoke weed every day and I feel fully in control of everything I do. And that's why it's only when I drink actually is when I get out of control. And another thing that helped me, I, at one point I did have an alcohol problem where I was abusing alcohol regularly. And I knew it was to the point where I knew, like, I feel it now. Like I never felt had like a physical dependency Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. like this one point in my life where I was like, I drink every day. How am I going to just cut, like stop cold Turkey? That's like crazy. And I could feel it when I would try. And I was like, this is like very concerning. So I started, um, just smoking weed as, as initially like a replacement until I, my body got used to, you know, not, needing or feeling like I needed to drink alcohol. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then from there, it was like, okay, like I could breathe. And then it was like starting over, like, let's get a routine. Let's have a morning routine, a healthy morning routine. So in the morning I um, get up, I shower, get ready, put on clothes. (laughs) Cause also working from home. I'm, I'm, I'm really gratified to hear that you put on clothes. That was, if you had missed that in your Bro, sequence No, there of was event, one point, because I worked from home before. I, got, I woke up, I, I microdosed, I and then I went teeth. to the office, and then I put on clothes. <laughs> then, and then I met with a client, and then I brushed my teeth. And then at the end of the day, no, after lunch, I put on deodorant. That I'm would be problematic. You, the, so there was a period <laughs> in my life where the transition from going to an office every day and then working from home every day was a, it was a big change for me that I didn't realize impacted me as much as it did. I gained a ton of weight. I stopped exercising, which is so stupid. Cause like I'm, I was home. I could have literally, literally been like doing squats during a meeting and no one would know. Cause we didn't even use video at that time. <laughs> but, um, see, what's going on? <laughs> not, I'm, I'm exercising. Here. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it wasn't until like, I started to smoke more, smoke weed more regularly in replacement of that alcohol. And that's when I was like starting to visit those issues of why am I doing this? Why am I so unhappy to the point where I'm drinking every day? Like that's what I look forward to. And so that's, I started to unwind and slowly peel back the layers and therapy helped with that. But right. also, That's a core sign of addiction that you're talking about there. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. recognize that in myself and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to actually do something. So 
I felt like weed was a big, like it was a big part in helping me overcome that. Uh And so that's why like when it comes down to James Kennedy, DJ James Kennedy, I'm like, I don't think he's there yet. Like I would love to someday, I don't know if this will ever happen to someday wake up and not need any sugar, (laughs) caffeine, weed, alcohol, anything, and just be like the most happy person all day long. Like that's the dream, right? That may never happen, but you know, I, I try to like give myself grace because that's something I've learned recently in the last few years is like, Mm -hmm. I need to give grace to myself. Like I'm not perfect. And it does take time to make these kind of changes. It's not like overnight and I need to give myself forgiveness for where I am right now. It may not be where I always thought I'd be like, you know, JLo when she turns 50 years old, who looks like she's 18, but (laughs) you know, like I forgive myself, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but I've come to peace and I'm not perfect. So yeah, I still have some medication that I use like prescription medication, but I also I'm working towards a goal of not at some point. And so to me, my cannabis use, I don't feel is a problem. And that's why like, I feel like James has a potential to use it in a way that will benefit him. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's actually the case. And obviously I don't know him. I don't see him. I'm not his doctor. So we don't know what's going on, but I do hope the best for James. And, you know, you bring up this other piece when you talk about this judgment about marijuana. And this is another thing I talk about in the book. Wait, here's the book. This book, (laughs) this is the other, we, and this is a place where regulators are totally screwing up again. Mm -hmm. We need some thing of consistent measuring and labeling across every single marijuana product. I mean, you get it on freaking Oreos that tells you how much sodium is if you compare (laughs) your Oreos to the hot dogs. You can compare the hot dogs to the, to the, to the half and half and see Mm -hmm. what's in it. We don't have that with marijuana. And that's a problem. If somebody came up to you and said, they drank a glass of wine every day, You'd be like, oh, that's okay. If they came up to you and said, I drink a glass of vodka every day, you'd be like, hmm, (laughs) right? And you'd be like, was it a glass or a shot? How big was was, the glass? It was, was, you know, (laughs) I drink a glass of wine every day. You know, (laughs) I drink a glass of vodka every day. That's a big, you know, same that's a we know because we have the concept of proof and percentage mm-hmm. and it's across when you go by when someone says they ha- you know i've had a couple cocktails and you said what did you have and they're like oh it was made with rum chata and it's like 20 proof or 30 proof mm-hmm. or something like that and somebody else says well, I, had a, I had a couple cocktails too it was made with you know everclear 100 proof right uh, <laughs> you're like Ah, okay. Or 200 proof, 200 proof, or, you know, someone has that. Yes. Cause a proof is, is percentage of alcohol. So 80 proof is 40% alcohol. 200 proof is, so when you get Jack Daniel, I'm not Jack Daniels, there's 190 uh, wild Turkey. That's like 95% alcohol. Anyway, we need that so that people can start to talk about, we have no, idea. we have, they're clueless. I'm clueless as terms say, do you have a problem? Because right. your marijuana use and somebody else's marijuana use is could be totally, we have no way to measure. 
We have yeah. absolutely no, and that is going to hit us really hard. Right, it's irresponsible. We also have like blood alcohol content that we can right. measure. And we yeah. also have breathalyzers. There's yeah. nothing like that for weed. So right. that's why right. I get, I am like, I do um, support people not having to take a drug test or like a drug test for THC um, in their system for work, because you can't even tell Well, what it's, it could have been within the last yeah. month. Well, what if they yeah. were at a concert and they were hanging out and they smoked a little, like you're going to fire them for that. But then so-and-so can come into work who like clearly is hungover or smells like alcohol and they don't get fired. Like, I just, I don't yeah. think that taking a urine test and having a positive THC result means that you can't work somewhere. Right, right. It's a big issue with CDL drivers, right? Well, yeah, CDL if you're driving can, a machinery, you know, that's a different story. CDL, <laughs> if, you're a C, if you're a truck driver out there, you should know. I can never remember this because when I was in college, there was a great Italian restaurant and I think it was called CDBs, but I always get CDD, CDB and CBD <laughs> always, you know, whatever that is, you cannot even do CBD or CDB, whatever it is, because mm -hmm. that's going to show up in your system as a truck driver for marijuana. Yeah. I and don't so, like that. Either, and I've had, that's, that's not even that's really I know it's crazy. It's crazy, but it still ticks the same thing that are on there. And so truck drivers don't do that, whatever it is. But thank you so much, Scott, for being here. I love hearing your insights about everything and I hope you can come back again someday. I'd love to. That's great. Maybe we can talk about your other books like right. Androphile Pride. Yeah, maybe. we could talk about that. Um, there's so we many talk, things what's we this, could talk about. There's the grief loss book. We can talk about marijuana as whether it helps grief. We can talk about, oh, it you know, <laughs> time management skills for the microdosers. We. <laughs> Hey, I have, I could talk about that all day. I love efficiency. I love being productive. I love hacks. I love, you know, like anything to uh -huh. just increase productivity. And for everyone who is listening or watching, make sure you go check out Scott Graham and his book, Determining Marijuana Use in the Age of Legalization. Right. And you can get it. It's all at gscottgraham.com. Yes, so no period after the G, but it's all squished together.com. Easy to find.